Welcome to episode six of the Let's Get Nuts podcast. Today's first guest played for the Camrose Kodiaks of the Alberta Junior Hockey League for three years and followed that up by playing three seasons at the University of Calgary for the Dinos. I'd like to welcome the first guest of two today, Rylan Weiss. Rylan, nice to have you on the podcast. Hey, Nuts. Thanks for having me. Uh, been tuning in and I was loving that Heddington bump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that because I, I just saw my... I don't know why I got it, but on the score, I got a notification that he got sent to the minors like 15 minutes ago. Oh, really? Yeah, he got sent back. So I don't know if that was like just a money transaction or if he actually got sent up and then yeah, what happened. But yeah, I mean, sometimes they do that just for money, right? But yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'll have to see. I don't, I'm not even sure if he played today. I didn't watch their game, but I know he was their seventh D yesterday. Yeah. But regardless, I guess uh, we'll get into what our topic's going to be. So me and you, we've kind of gone over that we were going to get through some potential trade destinations, I guess, for some certain players. So I guess I'll start off probably the biggest name, or I shouldn't say the biggest name, but the biggest fish, I would say, that's kind of out there still would be, at least for forwards, probably Timo Meyer. Where's your kind of opinion on... Uh, where he's going to end up. I I don't know. I'm a big believer in Carolina. They got the cap space right now. They just lost Pacioretty for the season. He's like a pretty similar player. I'll, I'll beat better. I, I'd rather have Meyer, but a play driver who shoots the puck constantly um, would fit their system and they have the space to fit him in there. So I don't know where he necessarily is a natural fit in their lineup because they're stacked already, but yeah, but it's funny you say Carolina because all the insiders have cut. I mean, they've been so. It's a hard job, but I feel yeah. like GMs have kind of been keeping their cards to themselves. Like they might say they're in on someone, but haven't really like fully gone into detail on where guys are for sure going to end up. And everyone keeps saying Jersey for Meyer, but also nobody saw the Leafs going out and getting Ryan O'Reilly. So like, yeah. And, and even Bo Horvat to the Islanders, no one really saw that coming either. So I, I'm with you. I actually, I had Timo Meyer going to Carolina too, and I think I even might have one other guy going there too. And I, I'm just going to bring his name up because I, I'm not sure. I can't remember if I changed him or not. I changed him like four times where I think he's going to go, <laughs> but I do have Carolina too, and that's Sean Monahan. The reason I have him there is because I know he's injured right now, and it's kind of up in the air. But, like, he might be a guy that he might not play till playoffs. He might not play all year. But Carolina's, like, probably really need a centerman. And now their center depth with, obviously, Jonathan Tays off the board. Not sure he was going to go there to begin with. But I don't – I thought the Wings a few weeks ago were maybe going to trade Larkin. I think it's kind of highly doubtful now. Yeah, I think the market's thinning out a bit for sure as we get closer here to the deadline. Um it just depends like like Detroit they probably didn't think they're in it and now they're just right back in the thick of things like I I don't think they're trading Bertuzzi or Larkin yeah I'm with you on uh, that. I, I I I thought Bertuzzi might have been a good candidate before to someone that would maybe have space and need some scoring depth but uh yeah I I can't see them trading anyone I think they're gonna hold pad at the deadline maybe they I could see them maybe looking at cheap ads even um, yeah yeah. But, yeah I could I could too and they they have a bunch of UFAs. So like I, I'm like, I don't know what they're gonna do because 
Yeah, they're in the mix, and they easily could make it. If even if they they don't even have to win all those games in hand, just win a few of them, and they're probably yeah. on card spot. But it, I almost think that if they trade off assets, they might be kind of fast tracking their rebuild. Like I think they're still like a couple of years away from being like a legit playoff team. I, I agree. I think they like Stevie Wise got the the Iser plan. I I would say in in terms of filling in that cap space with team players that he could potentially field on the road. I, in my opinion, those aren't the players that he's going to win with. Lots of those yeah. guys, except for the young guys. So I think uh, I could see him doing something that no one expects either. Because I mean, they're at a time where they're probably building for their future more so. But like they could push for a run, so like maybe they get a longer term, like not a rental, but a longer term guy. Who who knows? Yeah, um, that's yeah. true. He keeps his cards kind of close to him, doesn't he? Yeah, he does, and and I think I think he knows what he wants. It seems like he always he's always like first day of free agency. It'll be like okay, he made a deal with someone that he wanted. Like, um, he's got a plan. I I, I trust it. I don't know. I don't know if I really loved his signings this off season, but he got his goalie. I think so. Yeah, yeah, he looks like he's got his goalie, and their D, I think their D, yeah, right now he's got some kind of okay D, I would say, like Sherrod's yeah. solid, um, and then Sider's obviously a stud, they got Edvinson in the works, and they their prospect system's still loaded, I think down the road they're going to need a centerman, but I mean, that's not something they really have to worry too much about now, I mean, I was looking at their UFAs though, like they got a lot of UFAs that like, might get them i'm not saying they're gonna get first round picks but they might get like a decent return and they could trade them and still manage to fight for a playoff spot like suitor like pew suitor um yeah oscar Sainz. it'd be tempting for sure i even looking at last deadline when they traded letty to st louis they get back wallman who probably is the best player in the deal now like he only had like what i saw he had like 45 games experience at the time of the trade and he's logging some pretty big minutes for the wings this year i could see eisman doing something like that I, I the one chip i did have him potentially moving was verana um yeah. i could i could see someone being really interested in him and i i think that the team and the player i could see them parting ways so well I, yeah it's funny you say that because i that too like i think they're pretty especially with how the markets kind of dwindled the last few days with um obviously tay's going down monahan's up in the air yeah and like with o'reilly and achari getting dealt to one team it just like i think someone might get desperate and be like i'm not sure i think there's something there still with verana but like i, I think, think so too i actually I, I have him as a big buy low for the flames to be honest because yeah the way not i don't know if it's a fit with the coach but i think it could be like he's still got some of the tank i think but isn't it crazy like i because there's so many of the Calgary reporters tweeting like where who they might get and he I look at it and I'm like well yeah I'd love to have so and so but I'm like look at the coach though I don't know if I want that guy <laughs> yeah I, I see them being big in the buy low market and big in like the I don't know Arizona's got a few guys I could see the flames trying to get like like Bukestad or Christian Fisher like guys like that I could see like some Sutter guys being brought in some extra yeah depth, but who really knows? I, honestly, I don't. I don't think I'd be buying big if I was the Flames. So I'd oh. I, I'd be looking at the bargain barrel and seeing what you can get there. But yeah, yeah. Well, I get. I guess we'll get into some of the bigger fish first. We'll talk about the Flames and the Oilers at the end. But 
get into some of the bigger fish. So try and wrap it through this. But uh, Patrick Kane, where do you got him going? And it could be it could be staying in Chicago if you decide that. Yeah, I honestly had until the O'Reilly deal, I was like, okay, like it has to be the Leafs. I, I just had it circled. Like I had the Rangers and they get terrified. Like, you know, it just keeps going down the line, like dominoes, almost guys going off to the next team. So I have him staying. I have him and Taze will stand and reevaluating. They he could play with Bedard next year, maybe if he wants yeah. to stay there. I, I don't know. It's interesting. It's I saw that someone post that. It's an interesting theory, like starting to start of a elite talents career. I don't know. I, I was thinking too, like who knows? In the off season, they might get even DeBrincat back. Like they're gonna need to yeah. spend money. They're gonna have to spend money in some way. And that's a weird name that I'm surprised isn't that Ottawa said they won't trade. I know they're still in the mix, but it's like if he's not gonna resign, why not get what you can get for him right now? Get it while you can. That's what I think. But they're, I don't know, they're not in the mix. I think, I think yeah. a lot of that's on reputation though too. They probably don't want to. They probably want to hold on to him and try to like I don't know make it seem like they're trying to convince them I have no idea but I don't I don't know um the hockey reason reasoning behind that I think Ottawa should be trying to flip guys uh to build around the core that's going to stay there yeah and they just flipped Mott yesterday I guess which I like that for the Rangers I I figured he'd get trade but yeah that should be all right and then yeah for me I got I got yesterday I still had him going to the Leafs but I've changed that I think he's going to Vegas the only reason, I think he could very well go back to Chicago, but I think I think he's realized, like, Davidson and the Hawks have kind of pushed him out the door for this year, and yeah. he probably isn't staying for the year, or isn't playing again this year, I mean. I think Taze, his career is probably in jeopardy right now. I yeah, yeah. With everything going on with him. Uh, and, I mean, Chicago will give those guys, if they want five mil in the summer on a one- or two-year de- deal, Chicago has to spend money. I wouldn't be surprised if they'll bring him back. Um, and not the worst guys to have around still. I mean, you still need some back guys, right? So Yeah. No, I was looking at I was looking at Vegas, too. I was looking at – and then I started looking at Dallas, Minnesota, like any team that could possibly use some scoring help. Like I don't, Minnesota struck me because they have the cap space, but I can't see him going there. That's I, the same as me. Yeah, I, I can't see him going there. I can't. I don't think Dallas will make the move to get him there because their contracts that are bundled up are playing good this year, like Ben and Sagan. So yeah, and they only have like I think I saw they have two mil in cap space. Yeah, they don't got they don't got much. They need a definitely would need a third party. Yeah, gain some if they did. So I don't know if they want to spend that to be honest. Did you, but did you have anyone going to Dallas? I have one name I got. But I'll let you go first. I had one interesting name, um, and I don't know how it would work. I think they'd have to probably shuffle their back end a bit. But I had uh, Klingberg going back there. I actually have him going back there, too. Yeah, I think it makes sense. He's had a down year. Go back to something that's familiar. He can sign anywhere else in the offseason. Yeah, I I had him going there, too. And the reason I'm the same as you, and they actually can kind of use, like, a spark on their back end, too. Like, Iskinen's really good. But I think Klingberg even does it more for them on the power play if he's still got the game like you watch anaheim it's like watching a beer league team play like, oh yeah yeah nothing to play for and he's just like probably just done with it but i and then for a playoff ad for forward i got nyquist because he's rumored to not be back till playoffs so i was like oh maybe they can add him and just it's not going to count against the cap so yeah yeah that's i don't know i could see a team being smart with something like that it's, it's kind of the same with like 
if Monaghan has another setback here, he might be in the same boat as that, right? Exactly. Like, yeah. Maybe teams with center depth. I don't know. I'm I'm a Habs fan, so I am hoping they get something for him. But uh, we'll obviously see what happens here if he can get yeah. that lineup. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting one because I think it's one like for Monaghan, it's something where they're gonna have to eat probably half the salary. But for Montreal, who cares, right? Like they're not. Oh yeah, yeah. Money is whatever, and they're a rich organization. They don't. I mean, when you're that far out of the playoffs, if you got the cap space, which all those teams do, it's not a big deal to eat half salary. And they might only get like a fifth maybe because he's playing, he's been injured yeah. so much. But like it's better than nothing at this point. And they oh, might yeah. even bring him back next year too, you know? Like I feel like he's been a – or when he was healthy, he's been a really good fit. So. When he was healthy, he was a nice fit with Doc actually. Him and Doc kind of teaching Doc how to play center it seemed like. so. Yeah, I feel I feel bad for him. He's had a lot of injury issues. Oh, yeah, he's battled for sure. You're a guy who would know that, too, because, I mean, you had a lot of – it was shoulder, right? Your shoulder? Uh, honestly, I, it was a lot of, like, concussion stuff. Neck yeah, stuff. that, too. Oh, yeah, uh, a lot of that. And then I at the later ends of my career, it was a lot of uh, – my pelvis was all messed up, so it was messing with my hips and my groins and everything. So it was just – came at the end of my career, it's just like, okay, I – I've been through enough here and I'm I'm hardly playing in university. I think it's just time I focus on my education. That's fair. Yeah. Um, okay, we'll wrap it through these four names. We won't even analyze them because we'll get to the Alberta teams after to finish it off. But uh okay, Jacob Chikrin. LA. Okay, I got Boston for him. Uh, okay. We the next one, uh Gavrikov. Edmonton. Me too. I got yeah, him. Nice. Um, uh, and then, uh, who else do I got here? Um, JVR. I got him Stan. I could see okay. a team using him on the power play, but I just, I don't know. I It's teams with the amount of cap space and just what actual value he's going to bring, even strength. But yeah, I could see someone mixing him in on a power play for sure. I saw Tampa being floated around, to be honest. Yeah, that, that wouldn't surprise me. I, him, I, I actually... I don't know because today I mixed my Kane. I had Kane still going to Toronto, oh, yeah. and I'm like, he's going to Vegas, and that's kind of where I saw JVR. And I think if Kane goes there, there's no way JVR is going there. So when I went through every list, I had JVR to Vegas. That's hilarious. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I just I don't know. I think he still has value for sure. So and, and you know what? Maybe he goes back to Toronto. Like I, yeah, I what they're gonna do? That's I, a situation where his contract has has overtaken his actual play. You know, like people look at the contract and it's just like it's a downer but in reality the player's still a player like yeah yeah i agree with you on that um okay and then the, my last two names i got for you barbashev i got him going to tampa okay i, I think i think they've done a good job of like playing this like we'll buy the guy that maximizes the cap space that's what they do with every deadline it seems like so i think that's him that's a that's a good that's a good pick. I I had him going to mini, and only because he has played center before. Yeah. But he, I mean, he's mainly a winger, but he's had a down year and he's played the wing. So I wonder if I I can't remember if he played center last year or not. But like maybe that's like a buy low for mini, and they're like, well, we might as yeah. well. He so. definitely was a center when he was more playing on those checking lines, and he was a great center, I thought. But yeah, yeah he he's been putting up more points on the wing for sure. So it's an interesting fit. Anyone that needs depth in the, in the middle. 
And then the last player I had on here, I think goalies are going to be, I don't see much moving around. So last, last player I had on or bigger name anyway, is uh Goss Yeah. So I was really chalking it up. I had him on a couple, I first had him on the Islanders and then I started looking today. I was like, they can't buy anymore. Like, they, yeah, they could, they could use him honestly, I think on their third pair and help out their power play. But I, they can't buy anymore <laughs> yeah i got i actually i had klingberg going there initially and i'm like yeah i was like yeah they got dobson and pulak can play second unit i'm like i don't think and I, just the way they play they still kind of play it very trot style yeah, so it's not really a like a fit five on five either yeah. i i so gostas beer and i ended up throwing him uh seattle actually i thought that was an interesting fit um they have they have some assets. They have the cap space. Uh, I just don't see. I don't know where he fits elsewhere. To be honest, I don't know who's gonna give that. Up actually, that's a good that's a good pick because I I think Susie could get moved. Could, or they're yeah. talking. They're probably gonna move him, even though like they're a decent team. Yeah. And yeah, like they're gonna need. They still kind of need another NHL D man back there. I think so. I, I think Seattle could use like the depth help. They are a deep team all, all overall, but I, I feel like when it gets to playoffs, like are you really going to be rolling like Sprong out there or like yeah. as often as they are? Like I, I get it. He's playing like twelve minutes a night, but he's like one of their leading scorers, right? Like yeah, yeah. They're an they're a team. I could still honestly, I could still see him miss the playoffs. Like I could too because they have a yeah. I know they're pretty safe like that. in the spot right now, and Calgary just keeps spinning its tires, but. Yeah, I'm, the other I'm, thing that scares me about them is like, does Marty Jones play that way for the full season? Like, can he can he withstand that full season plus playoffs? I don't know about that either. I, I don't know about their goaltending. I don't know how like true their depth will be for the rest of the season. But yeah. I could see them being cheap ads. Like cheap ads doesn't hurt, right? I, I'm with I'm with you. I'm with you on that. And um I had Goss to spare to Florida because that's really all they can afford. And yeah, <laughs> they have no cap space. It, it's too bad they have no cap space because their forward depth is atrocious, really. Like, it's okay. But it, for a team that at the start of the year was considered a cup contender, and I never understood that, to be honest, because I thought they lost way too much. They but, lost a lot of them. Like, their D2 is, I don't know. Yeah, it's not. It's kind of a mess, I think. Um, but they've been playing better lately. Who knows? They could. Yeah. They, they got enough talent. Like Barkov's elite. I, I don't know. Yeah. He could carry them through. I think honestly, but I could see them making it. And I get. I guess kind of coincidence. We'll go into the Alberta teams, but start with Calgary. And uh, it's crazy because I would put Kachuk. If Florida makes the playoffs, I think Kachuk might be a heart finalist the way he's gone. This I know season. it is crazy. He might be. <laughs> like he's been unbelievable for Florida. He has been. And, I, and I'll be honest, I never saw him, because of his skating, I never saw him getting 116 or whatever points he had last year again. Yeah. And he has, and I love him as a player, don't get me wrong, but yeah, I never so saw I. that type of offense again. And he's, I think he's on pace for even more this year. Which... I think he is too. And it's nuts, but I think that he probably had a lot of people doubting him and he probably felt that, right? He probably yeah. thought, okay, this is going to be your best season ever. I'll prove you guys wrong. I don't know. He's got good bloodlines. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. And I mean, I bet he's just loving life. Like, how could oh, he? Oh, yeah. Because he wanted out anyway. So it's like he's in a six spot. He wanted out. It makes sense why he's doing well there. So yeah. um, I guess we'll just wrap it up quickly with the Alberta team. So for Calgary, what do you have them do? And you kind of said like buy low options. I said 
by low the only real moves i saw there were i said verana i think they could get him low and like I honestly think if he if he gets back to form, like he could be an elite talent, but we'll see. I think that's a buy low for them. The other guy I had um, was Nick Bukestad, just like a fourth yeah. line center role. Um, I think he plays the Sutter game well. He's massive. He can skate. Uh, but the, another name that I thought to look out for was Duclair on Florida. They're going to have yeah. to get him under the cap. He still has another year after this year, but... I could see uh, the Flames maybe being interested in hooking up with Huberdo, get him more confidence too. But I don't know. I don't think I wouldn't be buying big if I was the Flames. Yeah, I'm. I'm with you. They're in such a weird spot, though. It's like, like people are saying. I've seen people, and I, I listen to overtime sometimes on oh, yeah. sixty because it's honestly it's comical what people suggest. Yeah, they're just like listening for a laugh, and I like hearing what Steinberg has to say back sometimes. But I like. They're in a weird spot, and I don't think it's really been mentioned enough that, like, they have their core locked up long-term outside of Lindholm, and, like, Foley's playing like he's a core guy, and he is this yeah. year. I don't know long-term if he's really a core guy, so he's really the only guy I could be like, okay. But at the same time, I could see them bouncing back next year. So it's like, I don't I think totally they should sell anyone off. I think if anything, and they don't have any UFAs coming up that are worth anything. Like, no one's trading for Lucic. No, even if you eat half, no one's there. A third party, no one's trading for him. No, and like I don't get me wrong. There's times this year I haven't minded him, but I I just don't think anyone's trading for that. So like I I would say for me, I keep seeing Besser, and I'm like I don't think that's a good pickup. He's just yeah all the time. So I think with Shen out, like, or uh, not Shen, Stone's out for a month. I totally see Luke Shen going there. I, I mean, I could see the Flames doing a small ad like that. That could be a big boost because I think Shen's a guy that's going to probably go for more than he's probably worth, to be on, like, to be completely honest. But at the same time, it's like you can't really put a price on what he's going to bring either. Yeah. If no one else is going to do it, right? So he he'll do the things that no one will want to do. He's a Sutter player that'll fit right in. I actually had him and Besser both going to New Jersey after they struck out on Meyer. Okay, I can see that, yeah. I thought that uh, Besser and Shen for something around Severson picks and like Andreas Johnson's contract even for Vancouver, going back to Vancouver. But I could see Vancouver looking for a right-handed D to try to play with Hughes. I don't know. Yeah, no, that that's actually, that's a good pick because, yeah, my, Jersey is going to want something once they lose Meyer. So, yeah, Besser and Shen there makes sense. And then for Edmonton, I guess, obviously, we both said Gavrikov. I still think they need to find a way to get I, – I know they score a lot, but I, I look at their lineup, and I think I would really like one more option for them at Ford. And yeah. not stud, just like someone who's like kind of a depth guy who can maybe bounce up your lineup. I actually have Bukestad going to Edmonton. I don't know what you – Okay. I, I could see that. I could see that. I was actually looking at them. I had uh, Kevin LeBanc in the same role that you're talking of. He has another year after this year. Uh, he can pot. He can. He has a. He has a sick shot. He can pot the goals. I think. And for Edmonton, that's kind of what you need: guy that can be on the spot, put the puck in the net. They're gonna get it on their tape. Whoever they play with, I feel like they're such a great offensive team. So. Yeah. No. I. I agree. I think they. I. I don't think Carlson ends up there. I think Carlson stays still. I, I think yeah. I think you'd kind of I know he's had an unbelievable year, but I think because of how kind of down his last few years were, you'd almost kind of be for how much you're gonna have to give up, 
equal they're going to be asking for yes. the moon they're they're, they're going to want a lot for this to bank on like this one positive season right i don't yeah. know that's what i think like mike greer he's not going to want to get screwed over with his first like major deal probably i don't know that's what i I think so too. That's why I think he ends up. I think he ends up staying. But more suitors in the off season. Yeah, 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 for sure. All right, buddy. Well, thanks for thanks for coming on. Um, I'd like to have you on again sometime. Maybe again after the trade deadline or before the playoffs or something. We'll get you back on. Yeah. See how see how we did. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. See you. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. Today's featured guest was a 2014 sixth round pick by the Chicago Blackhawks, was a 2015-2016 NCAA Hockey East champion, named a 2017-2018 Hobie Baker Award finalist for top NCAA collegiate player, was a Spangler Cup champion with Team Canada in 2017 and 2018, and has played 58 NHL games recording 17 points. I'd like to welcome Dylan Sakura. Dylan, how's it going, buddy? Good. Thanks for having me, Nutsy. No worries. Good to see you again. It's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> I think the last time we saw each other, I was uh, partially naked in the Rockford dressing room. That sounds about right for, for your story, right? <laughs> uh, so, Dylan, you grew up in Ontario, Aurora, if I'm correct, right? Correct. Okay. So what was it like playing minor hockey in Ontario, I guess, Aurora in particular? Yeah, it was great. I think uh get pretty fortunate being from a, a place like that where there's so many, you know, it's so competitive and there's so many good players. I think, uh, you know, growing up, uh, I'm a 95, so it was, you know, the Domi, Horvat, Nurse, guys like that all in, in the Ontario area. So I think, you know, at a young age, you're, you're challenged by those good guys. I think, it's pretty cool. Like nowadays you see some guys come from California where it's, you know, the competition or, or just even getting to the rinks about an hour, hour and a half away, stuff like that. You know, I think I had probably similar to you, 10, 15 rinks, even in my town, uh, 35,000 people. So, um, you know, I think you're, you're pretty lucky and privileged obviously to have, have that opportunity. And, uh, you know, it was great. So like Ontario, I find at least starting to know my buddy's kids that play hockey, like, Ontario is so different than out here. Like, it's like frowned upon out here. Not frowned upon, I guess, but there's just like, there's so many academies are starting to get big out here. But I feel like in Ontario, like hockey, minor hockey's like the minority out there. Am I right? Or am I kind of wrong on that? Like, it's a lot of private, like, leagues that kids are playing in. I don't know. Did you play like minor hockey or did you play, um, like in those private leagues or academies and stuff. Yeah, I played just minor hockey. I played in the there's kind of like two divisions or more than two, but in on where I'm from at least, the OMHA and then uh, the GTHL, which probably most people that don't know Ontario would know. Like the, that's the Marlies, the Red Wings, you know, all those right. those. Um, so that's like if you're from the city, you can play in the GTHL, and then if you're from more of the suburbs, you play in the OMHA. Um, so definitely the GTHL, there was more competition there. And, and that's when you see the guys, you know, faking their addresses, living at their aunts, to, to play for the Marlies or whatever like that. There's a lot of a bouncing around as opposed to the OMHA is, you know, if you're from a certain bracket of area, then you have to play for that team. And if you, if you don't, you have to get your release from that team as opposed to the GTHL where you can kind of bounce around. There's a lot of that movement, but, 
yeah, I think there's a lot of private, you know, private schools and academies and stuff like that, but I kind of stayed away from that growing up, which uh, I'm glad I did. Yeah, that's good. It, it, I think it's, uh, it's important to play at least a little bit of minor hockey, you know, it's kind of like your roots and that, especially sure. in your town, right? Like Aurora, I mean, like you say, population of 35,000, like it's probably your, maybe not guys that you're exactly best buddies with now, but at least growing up, you kind of probably had some pride being from a small city town like that. So it's probably, probably was kind of nice to grow up and play in Aurora. No, for sure. I think, uh, I'm still, you know, good buddies with some of those guys from minor hockey and, uh, you know, one of the guys actually my wedding party, we played growing up and then his dad was the coach and he actually cut me, but, uh, (laughs) We, we remained friends over the year. I didn't hold a grudge, obviously, but funny how it goes. He was probably the captain too, hey? The coach's son, the, the captain? I remember he was saying that I was too small uh, at the time, and it was actually smaller than me, so that one didn't that one didn't add up, right? <laughs> yeah, it didn't work out. <laughs> so I guess after you play minor hockey, you get drafted to the Erie Otters, right? And um, what was the decision – to play junior A instead of playing in Erie. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I was, I was pretty good above average. I think at the triple A level, I wasn't anything special, obviously. So um, I think I was a 14th out of 15th round to the OHL. So I wasn't even expected actually to get drafted at the time, but uh, obviously happy with that. I think, you know, as you, as you grow older, you kind of learn that the OHL draft isn't as important as, Obviously, you think it is when you're 15, 16 at the time. It could be heartbreaking for some guys. But, uh, yeah, I think um, I was actually planning on playing, like, a major AAA or major midget AAA, which is, like, an extra year AAA instead of junior A uh, when I was 16. But I actually got lucky enough and uh, had a really good coach when I when I made that team in Aurora. And, like I said, I made that team and decided to go there. And I just wasn't ready for the OHL. And uh, I don't think I would have been ready until I was probably 18, 19, I think just being a smaller guy, a late bloomer, I don't think, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think it was really worth it. And I think at the time, um, <clears throat> as you know, my brother, he was three years older than me and he had committed to to play at Dartmouth where actually I originally was, was supposed to go, but you know, he kind of went down that route and I thought that was the best route for me too, as to play junior A for a couple of years and, and kind of get adapted to that level and then try to go to the, the school route. Okay. Yeah. See, I didn't. I didn't realize that. And that was the time. That would probably be a tough call because that was the time when Erie was starting to get really, really good, right? Like I know McDavid's a couple of years younger than you, but he would obviously ended up there, and you would have been eighteen, nineteen at the time. You wouldn't know McDavid was going there, but I mean, you would have been eighteen, nineteen when he was breaking into the OHL or whatnot, and then they. That's when they went on and they won the league, I think, and played in the Mem Cup or whatnot, but yeah, I mean, you end up going to Junior A, and like, it's crazy because out here, I it's so different than the OHL draft, right? Because out here, we draft at, uh, they're 14. Uh, you probably knew that, but after, I guess now it's considered the U15, their U15 season, but um, I guess the Bantam draft, they call it, or used to call it out here. It's now called the Prospects draft. But I always find, found it, like, really weird why we drafted a year younger out here than, because it's so much more unpredictable. It's unpredictable probably to begin with 
in the OHL draft, but like out here, it's just really unpredictable when they got two years of growth and development or whatnot. But apparently the reason, I mean, kind of long story here, but apparently the reason being uh, they do that from what I've heard anyway, this is, I could be completely out to lunch, but um, Ontario obviously has a way bigger population than we do out here. So the drawing board is like way bigger in Ontario. So here they get an extra year recruiting almost. So apparently that's kind of the main reason. Like I said, I could be out to lunch, but that's kind of what I've been told is that they get an extra year of recruiting to, if guys are on the fence of going to the WHL, then they can kind of be like, Hey, like, I don't know, you know, just kind of to recruit. So that's, Kind of, I guess, the backstory on that. But after after you get drafted to the OHL, you choose to go Junior A. Um, and then what kind of what, – what made you choose to go in Northeastern in the NCAA? Because, like, that's a school in Boston, correct? And it's, uh, like, probably the – I don't want to say the lower-end school compared to BC, but it probably would be, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so – I played for the Tigers, which is OJHL, uh, when I was 16. And then we, we did this little tournament in Vermont. And like I said, my brother was committed to Dartmouth at the time. And uh, so I went down, we played in the showcase tournament, had a good weekend, and I actually got an offer from them. Surprise, surprise, coincidence. But uh, so I was actually, I, and, you know, I, I heard that, that heckling throughout my career, like just in juniors, you know, you're only going there because your brother, you get, you know, you get those kind of chirps. And then, uh, stuff like that but so he went there um, I, I stayed back played an extra year junior and then uh, I was planning on going there to have one year with him he would have been a senior I would have been a freshman and uh, yeah just the, the old SAT got me on that one but um, so it's an Ivy school so it's, it's it was tough to get into I think I wrote the SAT like four times maybe five times and then ended up writing the ACT for, for those that's just a a little bit of a different test, but maybe sometimes some some people find it easier, or whatever. But um, so I I got in, but I couldn't get in for the year that I was supposed to play a year with him. So uh, kind of just I really wanted to to get to school that year. I thought I was ready. Um, thought I kind of ran my course through juniors. So I ended up decommitting, and uh, around Christmas time of my last year of junior, and you know at the time I was fortunate enough to be kind of having a good year. So. There was some teams that were interested, and um, I kind of narrowed it down to Hockey East, which is that division with BC, BU, Northeastern, you know, UNH. So I, I did my visits there, and, um, you know, they brought me down. I think it was a smart recruit move, but they brought me down to the Bean Pot, which is, a you know, a big tournament down in Boston, and, uh, you know, it's at the TD Garden down there where the Bruins play. So I went to that, and it was just an awesome experience, and, uh, you know, I had a couple, actually had a couple other visits on the way, but... I knew right then and there that was the place I wanted to be. I loved the the campus and kind of where the program was going. And um, you know, like you said, it wasn't uh, you know the BU, the BC. You know, I went to visit BU at the time, but you know, my freshman class would have been the same as Jack Eichel. So it was kind of one of those things where do you go to a BU, maybe you know, sit behind guys like that, or do you go to a, a lower end school at the time and, and try to make a name for yourself? And I think that you know really worked out. And by the time that when I graduated there, we were better than both those teams. So I think it kind of worked out in our favor. I, I think that's honestly, I think that's a really tough decision. Cause it's like, 
do I go to a good school that you know is going to be a good team, but I might not play much? Or do I go to a school where I can play and maybe I can make us a good team, right? So, I mean, not that Northeastern's really a slouch, but it just uh, obviously, like you say, and it's it's not as well known as BU or BC. And yeah, I, I think that's that's a really smart decision. And at that age, that's a tough decision to make and good on you for for choosing that because yeah, not the easiest decision. You know, those guys, they get, you know, they're five, six first rounders every year. Right. So it's, it's tough. And like you mentioned, I was a year late six rounder guy from you know Ontario. I don't think I was top of their pecking order, but uh, yeah, it all worked out. That's good. Glad to hear. I, I see. I didn't realize when I was looking at, because before I do these, I obviously, I want to make sure I include every team, but I was looking at, uh, elite prospects and i didn't realize your junior a was out of aurora the tigers so what was that like playing in your hometown playing junior hockey yeah it was nice uh it's, it's actually grown a lot it's probably double its size since since i was there but uh it was nice because i lived seven minutes away from the rink i went to high school there and i played hockey all right all right in that little bubble there so it, it was actually really really great experience um my three years there I actually billeted guys so I was able to, to build uh, a couple older guys who are obviously lifetime friends and uh you know that was a cool experience too but yeah just you know playing everything in a little small little bubble like that I'm sure you being from a small town like it's it's kind of comforting and, and yeah I loved it it so is uh oh man I'm having a blank here but I'm just I was trying to think did uh when you played in Aurora, did you play out all your junior years or did you end up going to Northeastern when you were 18, 19? It's 16, 17, 18. So I graduated uh, my second year and then I did that kind of like year off, no school, uh, just junior hockey lifestyle. Um, yeah. I just, so I just did one extra year, which was like technically like the gap year or whatever like that. So, but uh it was fun because all my buddies, obviously, were at first year university at the time, so uh, they were only a couple hours away. So it was like I was kind of playing hockey, also visiting them on the on the week weekends. So it was it was a good time. And there's two two junior A leagues in Ontario, right? Uh, yeah, like the OJHL and then EJ or EHL, which is out the Ottawa way. Okay. Yeah, and the OJ is that one basically just Toronto area, or is it? Um, yeah, mostly Toronto? like kind of out to like as far as it goes as far as like Kingston, and then uh, we had like Buffaloes in our. I don't know. I don't know if they're still in the league, but like the Buffalo Junior State. It's I'm I'm still an hour and a half away, but they had one one American team at least, and then yeah, okay. so it was from like two and a half hours from home so not too bad nice uh that's uh yeah that's nice travel compared to out here where i mean you got teams in junior a who are traveling 10 hours i, I know i don't think they still do it but i think the fort mcmurray oil burns or oil barons i guess they uh they used to fly places i'm pretty sure they had like a team team plane it, like their owners obviously like that's a big oil town and yeah. They, uh, I'm pretty sure they just had like empty pot or endless pockets basically, like just could fly their team places because 
I mean, our population obviously isn't like Ontario and you can't have 20 teams within an hour, but it's, uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty certain that that's true. But regardless, the bus trips here can be upwards of 12 hours in the winter, which is pretty crazy, I think, probably for you. And I mean, maybe not now in, in uh, the A where you're on the bus for 20 hours some days, but yeah, it's uh, pretty crazy out here in that that aspect. So uh, I guess another thing about Northeastern too, I mean, maybe you didn't know at the time, but it, it ended up a lot of guys on your team. And like you said, you were, you guys were a good team towards your later years, but you ended up playing with a lot of guys who did end up playing or currently still play in the NHL. You got Matt Banning, Adam Goddard, who just was included obviously in that trade from uh, Toronto to St. Louis. And then uh, Jeremy Davies, who spent time, I could be saying this name wrong, but Matt Philippi, Ryan Shea, Caden Primo, and uh, Zach Ashton-Reese. So what was it like playing with all those guys and obviously ending up where a lot of you en ended up playing hockey after NCAA and ended up and still are going on to great careers afterwards? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we, like we touched on earlier, I think all these guys were kind of in the same boat as me where, where maybe they were, you know, looked over uh, or, you know, they could have went somewhere else, but they all kind of decided that this was like the best path. Because like, you know, those guys you mentioned between, you know, I was sixth round pick, Davies was a sixth round pick, I think Primo was a seventh round pick, Ashton Reese was undrafted, Benning was a fifth or sixth rounder, like, so all these guys, they weren't highly touted prospects at the time, but I think that's kind of credit to, to Northeastern and the coaching staff there. I think they, uh, they did a really good job developing guys. And, um, you know, they just actually put us in a little group chat there, uh, the coach there. And, and like you said, I was looking at all the guys in the chat at the time. It was just some of the guys that, you know, they were thanking us for our time there or whatever like that. And I was like, wow, all these guys are either HL or NHL or, or still playing. So that's, you know, obviously if you go to the BCs and the BU, you'll find some guys that obviously some pretty big careers, but from, you know, the, the less known, I should say schools, um, it's pretty cool to see. And, uh, obviously we're always keeping tabs on, on guys and, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to play with some, some of those guys and, um, you know, that, that Ashton Reese I'm watching cause I'm obviously a Leafs fan still. So I've been watching him pretty closely. He's doing great there. And then, uh, you know, Benning's had a, you know, five, six, or maybe even seven years now he's played in the NHL, which is it's pretty crazy. So, I, uh, sorry, go on with what you're saying. That was it. That was all I had there. <laughs> Cut you off. Sorry, buddy. Um, no, I was getting at uh, like Benning too. He's improving. Like he's when he first broke in, I thought. I mean, the Oilers have kind of done this for a long time, but almost played above where he probably should have played in the lineup and now he's he's fully earning that like in san jose i watch and he's one of their best d-men now like he's a guy who's really came into his own and i mean i think i still think caden primo is going to be in the nhl in no time and he's probably the up-and-comer goalie for montreal i would think and then you got you mentioned aston reese and aston reese like i i've always loved the way he plays he's just he's that fourth line guy who yeah, he's only going to get you maybe 15 to 20 points max in a season. But, like, he just – I think he just knows his role. And was he got, kind of that player when he played in uh, Northeastern with you? Yeah, he – you could tell, like, his his senior year, like, he, he was going to be a full-time guy. Um, 
you know, because I think he had like 60 points and 30 whatever games at school. So he was like a pretty, I think he led the nation in scoring and he was second or third in the nation in scoring, but he also had that, that element. And especially a call or when you, you know, when you play against guys and you see that they, they can put the puck in the back of that, like he can, and they also have that, that element of just nastiness. And, and, you know, he, he bangs out there. It's I, when I watch him play with Elisa, he's the most physical guy that they have. So, you know, when a guy kind of has both those pieces, you kind of know that, that he's destined for, for that kind of career. So, uh, obviously proud of him there. I think same thing, undrafted guy. Um, his senior year, I, I played with him a little bit. And, you know, by the by the end of his, his senior year, he had 30, 31 teams at the time knocking on his door. So, I think he did it the right way there. And, uh, yeah, like I said, proud that he's uh, found a good spot with Toronto there. I don't want to make it too awkward for you, but uh, being, being in the hot system, but are you pretty pumped about the O'Reilly-Achari trade, even though your buddy Godette ends up getting shipped? Yeah, we got a couple guys on, on Rockford here that are from Toronto, secretly fans. But yeah, I think that's a good move for them. Uh, I think O'Reilly's a really good piece, and the same as Acharya, a bottom six guy like that. But uh, it's only going to matter in a, in a couple months here. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's very true. Um, I, but I guess back to you. Like, so your, your senior year, things were just kind of going for you. Hey, eh? like you, you go with the Spangler Cup. You get named a Hobie Baker finalist. What was it like playing in the Spangler Cup? That was your senior year, right? Yeah, that was my senior year. Yeah. So, what was it like playing in the Spangler? Because everyone I talked to who's played over there or gone to the Spangler say it's like the greatest time ever. But you being young over there and still in school, was it? Uh, were you a little <laughs> skeptical on maybe going out on the on the final night or just? maybe indulging into some extra activities while you're, while you're there with school on the side too. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, like you said, I already talked to you. It was, it was honestly one of the best experiences of my life, not even hockey wise, just, just in, in general. Uh, it was that year that, uh, you know, there's no NHL guys in the Olympics. So they were looking at a couple of guys from college and, uh, I was actually fortunate enough that Davies from my team, we went together. So it wasn't like I was going in there blind. I think it was me, him, um that jake evans on montreal and then another guy brandon hickey uh he was okay. at four younger guys which which made it nice and obviously my family came down but uh it was an awesome awesome tournament i think uh i actually flew down there and uh klm Air, airline they lost my my bag so i have my sticks so then I leave the airport. I was like, oh, maybe I'll get it tomorrow. Didn't get it the next day. Didn't get it the next day. I ended up getting it for the final game of my year. So I had to play with, and this is in the middle of, you know, battle switch off, no hockey life, none of that stuff around. So I was grabbing guys. I had someone else's uh, skates, someone else's shin pads, someone else's shoulder pads. I was just grabbing whoever had extra stuff. I was just grabbing their stuff. So that was obviously not a, not a great bounce for me there, but uh, made the most of it. But uh, yeah, it was an awesome trip. That, it was like you get the day off and then if you win again all the way to the final so we had we we're fortunate enough to go four and all throughout the tournament so we just we we won and you know they roll the beers into the room and like you said <laughs> yeah, one, but, and then day off we'd go up in the mountains next day we'd play no practices none of that so yeah it was an it was awesome and did your family and girlfriend all venture over? I'm not sure if you were with her at the time, but did did they all venture over for the trip or whoever basically you could get? Yeah, just my my parents. 
hosting a lot of time. So, um, and obviously it started New Year's there. So they came down, they have that big New Year's party for all the parents and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, they, they put on an awesome show there. Yeah. It just, it looks like a, a blast and you can be honest. Did you, did you really, when you were younger, did you ever really watch the Spangler on TSM when the world juniors was on? No, I think I, I remember just cause the jerseys, like, how crazy the jerseys were back in the day, but yeah, no, I don't think anyone was tuning into those games. No, I'm I'm the same way. I was like, ah, when I was up until literally probably seven years ago, because I'm 29 now, but up until I was early 20s, I was like, ah, these there's too much sponsorship ads. I don't really care to watch this, but now it's like I love the Spangler. I, I think it's awesome. Like there's so many guys, like so many names you're looking at, and you're like, what the hell? That guy's still playing, or it's just like this this guy's like there's some guys in that tournament where you're like holy shit this guy could easily still play in the nhl like it, it's just there's it, it's crazy the amount of skill that's still out there outside of the nhl right it was kind of cool for me just like i said i had never played pro level at the time or anything or so you know like i think uh like chris kelly was on that team uh maxi lapierre pa parento like some guys that i grew up watching and, and like you said were weren't too far removed from the NHL at the time or like, you know, a guy like Chris Kelly, I don't know how many games he would have played, but stuff like that. So it was cool still to even just be around those guys. It was, it was, it was pretty cool. There's two other guys, actually, I kind of know who, well, I, the one guy I know really well who you played with and the other guy I met very briefly, but uh, who was on your Spangler Cup team, Zach Boychuk, who I had on my first episode. And uh, uh, Andrew Ebbett, who he was playing on SC Bird. I don't know if you remember, but Chris had signed it with SC Burn, and then they like something happened with his hip and the health insurance or whatever over there, and he ended up coming back to North America. But um, so I kind of met Ebbett because he was a player on SC Burn at the time. Now he's their GM. But uh, what was it like playing with those two? Yeah, I, I remember. Uh, I think Boychuk came in a little late. And, um, I, I remember because I had to ask anyone listen i guess knows like with the twitter thing how he falls a million people are fall- and i remember like hi in the nhl just follow me on twitter or whatever so i had to ask him about that first day he, he was a great guy and then uh that abbot was obviously a little older than me so i don't know how much we hung out but uh, he was a really good player i think he was probably our best player in that tournament so yeah that's just another example like abbot a guy who i mean no disrespect to him, but he was an afterthought when he played on Pittsburgh, right? Like when he played with Sid and Malkin and uh, Latang, like all those guys, and no one really thought about him. And in uh, Europe, he was an unbelievable player. Like he was a skill guy, whereas in the NHL, at least on some of those Pittsburgh teams, he was a depth guy. So it just goes to show like how much talent those those guys in Europe really do have. So another thing too, uh, you play in, or you get named to the Hobie, uh, Hobie Baker finalist, which obviously NCAA Player of the Year, MVP kind of finalist uh, in uh, NCAA hockey. What was it like being, I mean, you talk about you were a sixth round pick and you chose no Northeastern to be a go to guy kind of on their team because you didn't want to go to BC or be you and potentially be at least starting out as a depth guy and having to work your way up as much. And 
it ended up all working out for you, right? Like you go to Northeastern play and the team ends up good your last few years. And then you get named a Hobie Baker finalist. So what was it like a whirlwind experience? And then what was it like being named a Hobie, Hobie Baker finalist? Yeah, I think, uh, uh, like you said, you, you never really expected stuff like that, especially looking back on the days in, in Aurora and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I think, like I said earlier, it's kind of credit to the staff and, and all those guys that uh, we kind of all came in together at the same time and, and kind of built that culture for that team. And, um, you know, I was fortunate enough, obviously, with Godette winning it to, to see it firsthand. But, uh, yeah, I think we had a – with that line there, with me, him, playing together, we, we had something special there and uh, kind of chemistry that I've, I've never really had with anyone else and haven't really found with anyone else. But uh, it's obviously an honour when you, when you can – you know, be be up for an award like that at the time. You know, at the time, you're not thinking too much about it. You're, you're in school and, you know, you want to play in the NHL, you want to win. You want to win at the NCAA level. So uh, you're not thinking too much about it. But obviously, it's uh, you see the guys who have won that, that trophy in the past years. I think uh, it speaks for itself, obviously. But, uh, yeah, really happy that, uh, you know, I was, I was up for that. And kind of two guys in the end from, I guess, a little rare at the time. So obviously, to have that, between me and him was was pretty special there for our bond. Did uh, who was the third member of your line there with you and Godette? Uh Nolan Stevens. He's uh, plays in Utica now. He's actually having a really good year in Utica. Uh, he's got a brother, Johnny Stevens, who's in Abbotsford. We all were together there at school, and then his dad is the uh, assistant coach there for Vegas now. Okay, and what's his dad's name again? John Stevens. Oh, okay, okay. So, John Stevens Jr. is the next one, or what? Is that is that is that uh, is that what it is? It's John Stevens, right? Like you said, no one's the one, and John's the other. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So, and then after your final season at uh, Northeastern and going on to your pro career, you end up obviously going to the Blackhawks and who'd you play in your first game and uh, who are your line mates? Yeah, I was, that was the nice place. Nice thing about being drafted there. So I could, after uh, we got knocked out of the tournament, we lost to uh, Michigan, I believe. So right after that, I pretty much got on a flight and went right to Chicago and they had five games. I think it was at the time left. So um it was pretty cool to, you know, still be in school and then kind of go into the NHL and then go back to school. So I was, I was still a student at the time, which was, was pretty cool. But uh, my first game was me, the Brinkat, and uh, this guy, Victor Edschel. He's, uh, he plays yeah. in Sweden. He was in the system here for a little bit. Uh, it was at, in Chicago. Um, crazy game, actually. So it was uh, obviously my first game. It was Seabrook's 1,000th game. And it was the Scott Foster night where uh, I don't know, Scotty Foster there uh, coming in. So, uh, yeah, I remember it was so Delia and Forsberg were the two goalies. Forsberg get, got hurt playing sewer ball. And so Delia goes in and uh, obviously Scott Foster's the emergency backup. And uh, Delia gets the full body cramp in the third period. And I'm sure most people remember that watching that video. I think he's a celebrity now, but uh, Scotty Foster comes in against the Jets and shuts the door. And um, it was pretty funny because I remember it was my first game too, and I, I had two assists actually. Thought it was an easy league, but uh, no, I had two. 
I didn't get a star or nothing. And it was my first game at the time. And I remember coming in the room after, and I, I think there was like one media person there, like talking to me. And there was a swarm of probably 30 people around. There was some of the guys who treat me and stuff like that. So it was pretty funny. But uh, yeah, it was definitely a, a memorable first, first game. <laughs> that, like, as crazy as that is, your first game happened. A beer league e-bug coming in. Like most guys who gets who get two apples in their first NHL game. Yeah, like you said, they're gonna have all the media around them. And you had zero around you because Scotty Foster, this beer league goalie, is is getting all the media attention because he shut the door. He made a pretty nice save off line A, didn't he? I if I remember. Like yeah, there granted there's maybe like eight or nine minutes left we were up but he made probably four or five saves where we were like wow like, yeah. not no not any guy could get going there like this guy was playing just Wednesday I think he was a I think he's an accountant right and yeah he did. it was it was amazing well, at the NHL hey like don't get me wrong I I love the story but but when you really think about it it's the stupidest thing ever like you got an, a beer league goalie coming in because your other goalie went down. Like, I don't, I don't know what the alternative is because you don't want to have a like a taxi third goalie all the time. But like, <laughs> and yeah, it's worked out a couple times. That being one of them, but uh, the other time being uh, David Ayers. But like, it's it's a weird thing when you think about it. Like in the NFL, they're not going to throw in someone from the crowd to be a backup quarterback or something, you know what I mean? Like it is, it is, it is kind of how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just can't believe that was your first AHL game. Like, Hey, welcome to the AHL. We got a beer league. Yeah. Got to use them on the other side. Maybe I get, get one early. <laughs> yeah. I guess. Hey? Yeah. And Seabrook too, like his thousandth game, like, that would have been pretty cool. You're breaking into the league without the foster nonsense going on. Like you're breaking in playing your first game. And then you got like a guy who grew up obviously watching all the time, playing his thousandth game in Seabrook. Like that guy was a dog when he played like just he, there were like Duncan Keith and for good reason was probably the better of the two throughout his career. But there's a lot of times in those playoff runs, like Seabrook was like, he was better than Keith and kind of, save Keith Bacon quite a bit, especially, I mean, I'm biased. He played in Lethbridge, so I got a little biasy towards him, but, I, I mean, that must have been pretty cool that it was his thousand, thousandth, holy cow, the, 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 his 1,000th game and your first NHL game. Yeah, that was, and like you said, I, I grew up a Hawks fan too for the most part, and obviously it, most guys were, were a Kane fan when he was winning those cups, but kind of put it and, that, and even at the time, you don't know a thousand, but now, you know, yeah. playing pro hockey and realizing that it's like, wow, like that's, that's a lot of games. Yeah. 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 I, that is a lot of games when, when it all comes down to it and it, it's starting to be a harder feat too. I think like with guys, not many vets are getting signed late in their careers because they know that those young guys can come in on entry level deals and it's not going to cost the team as much money, right? Especially with the salary cap right now being so flat for a few years. 
those guys too, like playoffs doesn't count obviously towards that thousand. And they played what probably four or five seasons worth of and 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 those games are harder to have a bigger toll on your body. Like and you win three cups, you only have what month and a half of summer to to recoup. So it's obviously no surprise that those guys have had, you know, hasn't gone their way injury wise later on in their career. But uh to do a thousand like that plus all those playoff games is it's pretty remarkable. And there were times in those first few seasons you played that you played on a line with Kane and Tate, right? Yeah, my my first year I probably had five to five to ten games there with those with those two, which is obviously pretty cool. I think I have I got a picture in my basement to start in lineup and it's Seabrook, Keith, me, Kane, Taze, Crawford. And then something here is not adding up. Someone here doesn't fit in. <laughs> Little there in the corner. But, uh yeah, that, that was awesome. Um, obviously, both of them. Like I said, I grew up a, a Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze fan watching them. So that's, you know, I think maybe even cooler for my friends and my, my family than, than even for me there. But, uh, yeah, that was pretty special. I know it probably wasn't the same, but I think I gave you the the starting lineup at uh, the Halloween get-together there with the, uh, the stranglehold point in the background. And I don't, I don't know that what their PA announcer's name is, but... Uh... Yeah, I can I can imitate him pretty good as as you know. So I was I was <laughs> gave you that back in, in Rockford and Halloween. <laughs> um so what's it like playing in Rockford? Because I mean, at least the stories I hear from 10, 15 years ago, a pretty sketchy area around the rink. Um I didn't find it too bad when I was there, but uh, has has the town cleaned up quite a bit since you first got there compared to now, or is it is it just it is kind of there's some areas you want to avoid? Yeah, it's uh, like I'm I'm ten fifteen years ago. I'm sure it's not the place you wanted to be, but like you said, like I was here my first year till now. So even within four years, the downtown's got way better. I know. Uh, I think the Hawks. Um, buying the team uh, down at Rockford, they did a lot of stuff for the city and and just the organization in general. And um, yeah, I mean, city wise, it's it's all, it's no secret. It's not the greatest greatest place in the world. Um, I know when I was here, I was like, oh, I'm never coming back here. I hate it here. Like, <laughs> all right, so it's obviously not that bad if I'm if I'm back around too. But uh, no, the downtown's gone a lot better. Um, you know, my first year, everyone lived 15 minutes out of the city. Um, no one lived downtown and now it's the opposite. Everyone lives downtown. Only one or two guys live out outside of the city there. So I actually live two minutes away from the rink and, you know, they're putting up new complexes and stuff like that. Uh, I'm sure some areas, yeah, same thing. You don't want to go, but that's kind of any city in America yeah. nowadays. Um, you know, there's not, not a ton to do, but, uh, like you said, we're traveling a lot and, uh, yeah, keeping busy throughout the, throughout the year. So, and, and, you know, Chicago is only an hour, 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 hour and a half. So. We'll go down there some some days off. We we miss Versteeg for that because when he was here, take us down there weekly. But um, no, it's it's uh it's not as bad as it as it seems for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did uh, one other thing too? Like, it seems like you guys got a pretty like loyal fan base too in Rockford. Like, yeah, I mean, a lot of people in that area are probably diehard Hawks fans, but like Rockford itself, it seems like you guys got a pretty loyal fan base and really i think it's a beautiful facility too yeah and even that too like the fan base has gotten way better since since i was here my first year as well and uh, i think they put 
18 million bucks into the rink since since the last time I was here. So all new ice, uh, new boxes, new jumbotron, new everything. So like I said, like when the Hawks like bought the organization before it was kind of privately owned or owned by by the BMO, then um, they did a really good job with everything. And yeah, like like I said, not the greatest place to live, but in other aspects, you know, we get treated the best that, that I've been treated in, in any organization down here, like, you know, chef, breakfast and lunch with a chef every day, you know, just, just little things like that where, where you really get treated really well. That That's crazy that they updated the boxes because I thought the boxes were nice when I was down there. I was like, these are pretty fancy boxes. Like, I mean, I don't know how much they could have really been updated, but hey, if you say they spent 16 million in rentals, like, that's that's pretty crazy. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, new jumbotron. They got like a Hard Rock Cafe suite up up top of there. It's, I haven't been up there. Hopefully, I won't be up there. <laughs> yeah, we're not good news. Uh, I'll have to check it out one of those times. But it looks really nice. If you're up there, I'll have to talk to Clinks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> give him some shit for that one. So obviously, you end up playing with your brother, even though you committed to Dart. Myth, and I think that's how you say it, correct? <laughs> okay. Yeah, so you, you commit there, decommit, but it ends up sometimes fate's just a thing, and you end up playing with your brother in pro hockey, which is probably cooler. What was it like playing with your brother in Rockford? Yeah, it was it was awesome. I think uh, almost cooler when you can play at the pro level. I think that's harder to do than, than the, the collegiate level, obviously. I think that's a little more common, but uh, it was awesome. We, uh, you know, we were living together. Um, it was me, him, and and my best friend from from high school. So, uh, kind of funny how that works out at the pro level. Not not that's not too common. So we had a ball there. He was uh, my chef at the, chef at the time. As long as as I cleaned up the plates, and obviously my parents loved coming down, and 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 they could kind of kill two birds with one stone coming to visit us. So, you know, that was awesome, and and obviously fortunate to play with them, but also uh, be line mates with them, and we kind of. <laughs> Like I said, we kind of complimented each other's game. Um, you know, he was he's he's just a hardworking centerman. Uh, loves to go to the net. This game and I was more skilled winger, perimeter guy, maybe like that. So I think we we really uh, the fact that um, I never really got to play. I played with him and nine, and he was in grade twelve. We played a little bit of high school hockey together. At, got to play together so that was uh, an awesome experience did so yeah you see like he's the defensive style guy and you're obviously the skill guy so it it kind of goes hand in hand when you're playing on a line with him right like he probably creates some room around the ice for you and he probably made so you you're kind of help his uh get him a few cookies but uh vice versa he probably is playing the defensive side of the puck and saving your bacon a little bit that way right like I said, honestly, like our, I feel like at the time our coach didn't really want us to put us together just because they didn't maybe know like what the dynamic was, but it ended up just working so well because, like I said, in the ozone, I'm more hold on to the puck guy. He goes straight to the net, so I'm sure we benefited both ways. Where I should probably shot a couple off him, or I've shot a couple that the goalie didn't see because of him. So, and like you said, he's he saved my bacon in the D zone because God knows I I wasn't doing too much help down there. And your best buddy you mentioned that you lived with from when you were growing up, and obviously he played on your team in Rockford too. I'm assuming that's Mootry? Correct. 
Okay, okay, nice. Yeah, because it, it did seem like you guys are like three peas in a pod, <laughs> and it, he's still playing in uh, Denmark, right? Yeah, he's uh, yeah, he was he got he was on a PTO, I think, at the time briefly. And I remember that first message, he's like, Hey, I'm coming to Rockford, and I was, I was so fired up at the time, but uh, yeah, I mean, if you ask guys around the league and you met him, he's he's got to be the funniest, best teammate I've ever played with. And, and I don't think I'll ever find a guy as funny as that guy. I mean, he was, he had the room in tears daily. Like I've never seen a guy like that, just have a relationship with like our coaching staff or something like that, where, you know, he could go up to, to Kinger at the time and just smack him on the ass or like, <laughs> it's just like, it's just crazy stuff that people would never think to do. And somehow this guy, he could just get away with anything. It was just like, he had everyone wrapped around his finger, but um yeah like i said i think you met him and you saw how funny he was he was an awesome awesome teammate uh, it's funny i asked actually the guy i had on last week another dylan hetherington he was saying because he played with mutri in uh in uh lake erie and he said the same thing he said he's just a character awesome guy but uh yeah i, I loved watching him play too like good hard-nosed player really good honestly i thought he was really good in the end i'm surprised he's Still not in the A, but hey, you get to travel Europe, not the worst thing in the world. Exactly. He's having a good time out there. No, I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. Does uh so you play in Rockford up and down with the Blackhawks? And like you said, when you left Rockford, you're like, I'm probably never coming back. And so you go on a bit of, of an adventure for a couple of seasons. You end up you go to Vegas last season or was it just the one season you were on it yeah it was or was it two it was two right or was it you tell it just one. uh yeah i was i was in chicago rockford for two years and i got traded to vegas my third year and then i was in uh colorado last year okay yeah i just wasn't sure if vegas and colorado were split in in one year or if it was two years but obviously two years one year in vegas one in colorado what was it like playing in vegas and in henderson the the weather there is a heck of a lot better than the weather in Rockford. <laughs> yeah, a little different. I think, uh, yeah, so that was that COVID year. I think we were fortunate enough to to be down there because, you know, stuff wasn't closed down and, and there wasn't too many limitations. Obviously, I was feeling for you guys back in Canada, Ontario at the time. Obviously not the place you wanted to be, but, uh, yeah, that was, uh, you know, to this day the, the most fun and, and the best place that I've played. I don't think anything will top that. Um, just like I said, the weather every day, come in the rink, shorts and t-shirt, uh, you know, you can golf every day. Um, you know, my first impression of, I guess, Las Vegas at the time was just a strip. I didn't know really anything else at the time. I was like, I was looking for you know, hotels and apartments on a strip when I, when I first got traded there before I knew anything. But, uh, you know, there's a, uh, there's a, a neighborhood called Summerlin. It's about, uh, 20, 15, 20 minutes from the strip and it, it it's beautiful. It's, you know, you know, like the golf community, uh, you know, they got shops, they got malls, they got casinos out there. So restaurants, um, you know, that's where all the, all the, all the big dogs lived out there. So it was, it was awesome. Honestly, like, unless you were going out or you're getting, wanted to get a nice dinner, you're, you weren't even going to the strip. So for those that, that think it's just the strip and just the partying out there, there's, there's a lot more to it. And, um, like I said, my wife and loved it out there. I think she was a little upset we didn't we didn't resign out there, but uh, maybe one day we'll 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 venture back out there. So Summerlin, yeah, that's where all the guys live on the team, correct? Or most of them? 
Yeah, that's kind of what I what I've gathered too. Um, it is TPC Summerlin the golf course. Is it there too? Yeah, it's uh about ten minutes away from where most of the guys lived. Uh, yeah, we played there a couple times. I think uh, some of the some of the other guys they played there with uh, Kevin Na. I think is a member there, so they got to play out there a couple times with him. But yeah, I mean, pick your poison with about any of 10 courses around that area and you're, you're going to have a good day. Yeah. It was uh, as a golf guy, I got to ask you, was there any sick courses you played out there? Yeah. I, I'm sure you've seen, have you seen that Wolf Creek? Yeah. Oh yeah. You played there. Buddy went out there. Uh, I'd played it in like the Tiger Woods or whatever it was. PGA back in the day, I played it and I was like, I thought it was a fake course. So when I, yeah, like I said, I'm a, I'm a big golf guy too. And when I first got to Vegas, I, I saw it was like an hour and a half. It's a little bit of a hike, but I was like, I'm going out there for sure. I'm going out there. So that was probably, uh, yeah, that was one of my favorites. Um, and then, yeah, Southern Highlands is where a lot of the guys remember that. That's an awesome course. Uh, and then the TPC Vegas, TPC Summerlin were nice, but uh, I never, what, what's the, uh, what's the yeah. one I'm thinking? Shadow uh, Creek maybe? I, I never got out there, but uh, that that's on my bucket list for sure. Yeah, that's where Tiger and uh, Phil had their match at, I think. And yeah, it's I, I've heard it's actually not crazy hard to get onto. Like I know it's private, but I heard it's not like insane to get onto. So that's uh, that's on my golf bucket list one day too, if I ever can afford to to play it. But yeah, that I've heard Wolf Creek though, like just playing, like you say, playing the video game on. It doesn't look like a real course. Like, is the elevation change that you see in the video game is it that crazy in real life too? Honestly, even crazier. Yeah, it's it was. Uh, Trying to think, first hole is just a little short par four, and then the next hole it's like two hundred and thirty yard par three, and I I think I hit a pitching wedge or like a nine iron just because it was so downhill. It was like it was crazy. Yeah, it was. Uh, we played like great. I guess in the fall, so it wasn't like all green and beautiful, but it was still, uh, yeah, it was still an awesome track. That's awesome. Yeah, it, it looks like a pretty cool course. That and I, some people hate elevation change in around a golf because they don't like judging the the different distances. I love elevation change in golf. I think it's it's just fun when you can hit one over. Basically, Wolf Creek, by the sounds of it, too, you're basically hitting off a mountain on some holes. So yeah. one two is like. 80 to the water and we all pull out drivers and we were all like maybe a couple yards from the creek we're like, oh. <laughs> Put the drive. <laughs> and henderson how far is that from vegas about 45 minutes uh no that's the same thing like under 20 minutes that was honestly the great part of, of living there too is like any anything from the strip you know like it'd be like the strip Henderson, Summerlin. So Henderson to Summerlin was probably 25 minutes, and then it was probably 15 minutes each way from the strip. So oh. you weren't, yeah, it was uh, it was all kind of right there. Nice. I I've been to Henderson. Henderson's a, a nice little. It, it basically feels like you're still in Vegas. Like it's it's a nice 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 little community. Um, what was it like playing in Vegas though? I know it was just brief, but it it just that rink i've never been to a regular season game went to the all-star game there last year it just seems like it's like you're basically playing in a nightclub is it is it like that yeah yeah i i mean i remember uh in chicago we played there on the road once and i it was it was pretty intimidating um 
think your eardrums are popping after the first after warm-ups even but it's it's an awesome place to play it's probably the loudest or it is the loudest rink for sure um and uh yeah like I guess when they first started, you would have thought it was just like a lot of tourists and a lot of just like, you know, people in and out just coming to watch the game. But it's actually majority of the local people there that, that come to the games and they really do love it. And I think that's, uh, you know, that first year with the, the vet, with the shooting, obviously down there and how they kind of rallied around that and obviously went to the cup finals. I think it couldn't have really wrote a better script for, for a first year, obviously. So I think, you know, the whole city of vegas kind of rallied around them and and you could kind of feel that when you were playing there by the sounds of it they're gonna have a baseball team pretty soon too it looks like oakland's probably gonna move there which is who would have thought the nba would be the last major sports league that's probably gonna end up in vegas i would have thought if you told me that 15 years ago i would have thought they'd be the first team to end up in vegas but pretty crazy that if they ever end up they're probably gonna be the last team in vegas Hockey there, it's and obviously football with that stadium. It's uh, I find it crazy that they don't have a major, you know, everything. I guess yeah, like you said, the athletics maybe. Or I saw I ended up there, but it's kind of it is crazy that they don't have a major team in every league. Yeah, yeah, it and it's yeah, it's uh, a grow obviously growing for sports. I mean, the football looks like a heck of a time too. And and so the year yeah. you played there, that was the taxi squad year, right? Where yeah. were you? On the taxi squad for a lot of that season then uh so it was i mean at the start of the year it, they it was kind of like take your best whatever best four or five guys put them on a taxi squad and then as the year went on kind of realized like oh maybe use those guys down in the minors and get them get them played because a lot of guys i talked to that was on the taxi squad that year they played like four games throughout the whole course of the year so i think they they handled it while there were we were treated good, and like I think that year I ended up playing like thirty something games in the minors, which is probably the most of any team at that time, any team in the whole league that they played. I know some teams only played in division and stuff like that. We traveled. Uh, we actually had a playoff series. We were the only division that did the playoff series and stuff like that. So I think we were pretty fortunate to kind of how they handled that situation. But um, yeah, like I said, we did that playoff run, and then right after the season that they called me up. Um, they called me up when they were playing Colorado. Um, and so I flew to Colorado and then I was fortunate enough to get the, well, I guess not what you want to happen, but that Matthias Janmark got hurt. So I got to go in to a playoff game with the Knights there uh, in Colorado. And then I played one at home uh, the next night. And then obviously none after that, but uh, you know, yeah, like I said, travel with the team, went to Montreal for, for that. Obviously that was, not the way that uh, they wanted to end the season there, but uh, a, a good experience nonetheless. <laughs> well, Colorado must have liked what they saw in you in that playoff game or two, because you end up going there the next season. You sign with the Avalanche and obviously part of the cup team to an extent. I mean, you played some regular season games up, play it with their minor league team. What was it like being around them and seeing that winning culture and then obviously seeing them win the cup? Yeah, that was uh, that was a pretty pretty awesome year for everyone there. I guess um, you know, going into the year, obviously being the favorites like that, you you kind of had that feeling that they were gonna they were gonna go wire to wire and they were get that was they were gonna win it that year. And um, yeah, I had, a, I had a really good spirits. Obviously, only played five five or so games with them, but um, you know, down with the Eagles, in the HL there had a really really awesome experience. Um, 
you know, that, that, that was a good fan base down there for, I don't know if you've ever been to an AHL game on Loveland, Colorado, but that's uh, gotta be probably the best AHL fan base, at least they, they, they really do love it down there. But uh, yeah, it was an awesome experience. And obviously with the short time up there, just seeing, you know, those, those, those big dogs and, and Nate and, and McCarr and all those guys like that, it was, it was pretty awesome to, to be a part of that for, for a brief time. I, I've heard that uh, Colorado and the AHL, like the Eagles, is uh, it, it is a crazy fan base. I, I know a guy who played in the East Coast League with Colorado when they were there, and it, he said it was an unbelievable experience playing for their eight or their East Coast team. But it's crazy. It's funny because you say that that they still have a good fan base or their fan base improved because there's some places that their team when they were in the East Coast League and they moved up to the A. Because as you know, like some people in the States, they don't know hockey all that well. And they just kind of go for the fights or whatever. I mean, it's improving now, but like I, for example, Stockton. So when Stockton had an East coast team, apparently their fan base was unbelievable. And then they upgrade to their AHL team and everyone was pissed off because they're like, where's our East coast team. But they, they didn't understand. Right. So they hate, they got their fan base went downhill and now obviously they're in Calgary, which better location for them, but it, it's, it's funny how that works. Hey. Eh? Yeah. That's, I mean, I, I was in Stockton last year. That is, that's a, that was a bad fan base for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not the, not the, I mean, the weather's okay, but the, yeah, not the, not the greatest uh, place. And obviously the fan base there, like it, it's pretty much dressed like a seat night when you played there, was it not? Like, and uh, you know, attendance for tonight is four hundred people, and I couldn't, I couldn't account fifty people there. It's just like, I guess they're counting the players and the staff and all the workers too. Jeez, yeah, it, it might even gone downhill from when I know people there and or that were there, and it might even got worse. And after COVID, Stockton being like a kind of a gritty town, it very well could have got worse after after COVID there. So not surprised. So you're, you're back in, back in Rockford now in the Hawks organization. And it, what's it like being back there? Cause obviously you're a few years older now and you're kind of an up and comer before your first time around. And now you're probably one of the vets on the team and really not many guys you played with from the last uh, stint in Rockford and Chicago. So What's it like being an older guy on the team now? And maybe you don't get the same opportunities too, right? Yeah, for sure. I think uh, second time around, I, obviously they're bringing here for different reasons. And uh, that's part of part of it, like you said, being an older guy and bringing in for, you know, having experience on the younger guys, which obviously doesn't seem like a long time ago, but that's kind of how it was. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was, it's been it's been great. I think uh, you know right away just having being comfortable with obviously the staff. You know a lot a lot has changed in the years. Obviously, kind of organizations blew up over the last couple of years, but a lot of, there's still a lot of the same staff members, a lot of the same you know workers, even just some of the you know equipment guys and stuff like that that have been around for a while and training staff and stuff like that. So you know right away it's nice to feel comfortable with those guys. But uh, yeah, I think. Organization changed a lot, like you said. Um, no one, I don't, I don't think any players in Rockford from when I was here. Um, a couple guys up with the big club, but uh, a big turnaround with that. Uh, but yeah, I think 
like I said, kind of brought in for a different role, obviously, this time and kind of embracing being that, that older guy and being all youth now. So <laughs> I got to ask you about him. So Clint Cameron's there as your assistant coach. What's he like as a coach? I mean, he's probably, I can't see him too rah-rah, and especially being the assistant coach. Is he like, you know how every team kind of has that beauty assistant that maybe doesn't hang out with the boys, but like they're more of your buddy almost than they are like really like hard on you or whatnot. Is he, is he kind of the beauty assistant or is he like the, or does he, I mean, he still obviously helps you with certain things, but is he kind of like your beauty assistant? Yeah, I, I think so. We got that, uh, Jared Nightingale as well. Uh, right. My brother, he, he maybe fills that role a little more buddy, buddy with, with some of the guys, but, uh, no, Clink's been awesome. Um, obviously a first year coach for a lot of, I'm, I'm kind of seeing it firsthand with him. Like, there's a lot of like stuff that just you got. It's just it's like being a rookie player again, right? You kind of honestly have to earn your stripes again. So he's obviously going through that, but uh, no, he's been awesome. He uh, he runs the PP for us, which I feel bad because it's, it's been struggling as late. Obviously, not his fault. That's on us. But uh, but you know, he's a guy like like for instance with the PP. It's like you want to you want to do so well for him because he's such a good guy and such a good coach that that. You know, you don't want him to feel that pressure. And obviously, you know, he's got he's got the young kids at home and stuff like that. He doesn't have to lose sleep over a power play, let alone his kids. So, <laughs> that was aspects. But, uh, yeah, he's been awesome. I, I I don't know him much as a player. Obviously, you do. But, uh, you know, off ice, he's, dial, he's dialed in. Like, he's he's got to be the strongest guy still. Not player, non-player, whatever it is. Like he's in the gym every day. He's always eating good. He's always eating his protein shakes. He's always snacking on stuff. Like he's, I'm sure as as a as a player, he's pretty dialed in too, obviously. But uh, yeah, he's 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 pretty takes that stuff pretty serious, which is which is cool to see. Still after career doing that, he'd probably be pissed off. But there's a picture I have from when he had Facebook way back. I screenshot it. There's a picture of him from like 2008. And he's in this gold suit and he's just huge. Like he's like not Jack. Like he's like pretty, pretty but and he'll be the first to admit he wasn't in the best shape. And I can't chirp anyone because I'm in a horrible shape. But I mean, like he would be the first to admit, like he did a 180 on his life. It, like or his because he he earned everything he got in hockey. Like he didn't make it based on talent when he was making it in pro hockey he earned everything he got he was and yeah he wasn't the most skilled guy in the world but yeah he he earned it and was a heck penalty kill excellent penalty killer and yeah he's always been a health freak really though ever since he's got into pro hockey so he he's he really had had an excellent career for for where he was and he'd probably be the first to admit probably 17 18 years ago so yeah, good on, and I, I think you will be a good coach. I mean, like you said, it's a learning curve for everyone, and uh, see him in Rockford getting that job, that was pretty pretty cool to see. And Rockford, or uh, the AHL in general, correct me if I'm wrong, it, it seems like a league where, especially for assistants, but even head coaches at times where a lot of alumni end up coaching in the AHL. Like, I know it happens in every league, but the AHL, it seems like, more so than others, very recent retired guys will end up being assistant coaches in the AHL. Yeah, I think that's 
I mean, both leagues, I think you see that more and more now where it's a lot of ex-players, a lot of alumni and stuff like that. But, you know, as a player, I think that's kind of how it should be, right? Like, I think it's it's easier to learn or to listen to, I guess, and learn from a guy like Plink who, who played, you know, in rock to play in the NHL as opposed to some guy that, that didn't, you know what I mean? Just just that, just getting over that hump, like, it's, I think that's just, that's just part of it where um, you kind of respect the guys that, that have been through the same thing and kind of been in your shoes like that, right? So it's kind of a, it's as, like I said, as a player, I think that's kind of the route that it's going where you see a lot of ex-players becoming GMs and, and, and coaches and stuff like that. And I think that's, that's kind of how it should be. When you see your team in Rockford now, you guys are in the playoff mix, correct? Like fourth in the division, I think I saw. So, and how's it work? Is there wild card spots in each conference or is it just top four in each division make the playoffs? I, I probably should know. I don't know this year because last year they did they did a play. Like some half the divisions did a play in where, where one got a buy and then five got in. Uh, I, I don't know what they're doing this year. I should probably should, should know. <laughs> five get in okay well that's interesting um now so you're you've seen firsthand obviously lucas reichel but who's one other guy that you play with in the ahl or even you can name a couple if you want that you see them going on to have good careers in the nhl uh yeah reichel's probably the first guy that comes to mind obviously uh one guy i think is that uh alex lassick yeah okay yeah Sixty man, um, like same thing. Like at the start of the year, you obviously saw the the potential, and obviously you see the size and the way he moves. It's it's kind of an, an inevitable at that. But uh, like the last month or so here, it's it's yeah, it's almost gotten to the point where he's too good for this league. Um, yeah, like six six moves like the wind. Um, yeah, it's, he he's gonna be a full timer next year and and for a long time. That's good. And, and your aspirations, obviously, you want to make the, or get back to the NHL, do you not? Does, uh, does, uh, do you have aspirations to go to Europe at some point too? Or are you, for the, for the next few years, are you pretty set on staying in North America and trying to work your way back? Yeah, I think, uh, a little bit of both. Obviously, you still want to make it, make it up there. And, Still think I have a lot to give over here, but um, yeah, I think there kind of comes a point in time where a lot of guys go through it. Obviously, with with even with Clank and uh, Steger and stuff like that, where you see later in their careers. But yeah, that's definitely something I'd be interested over in in doing, and um, depending on I guess what country and 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 the situation of 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 the world too, depending on where you want to go. Obviously, is maybe not the right time for some places, but uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, eventually it'd be fun for to go over there, you know, me and my wife go over there, tour, like you said, tour around at the end of your career, but uh, yeah, hopefully still have a four years over there. Yeah, I, I would love to see you back in, in the NHL too, and I mean, the last, last hockey-related thing I'll say to you is that uh, Chris always said to me, he said, if there's, when he would skate with you in the summer before you guys played together, he told me, he's like, man, this Sakura guy, I've never been overwhelmed by someone's skill before. And he said, watching you, your skill was overwhelming for him. He was like, this guy has unbelievable talent. So, I mean, to take that to the bank and we, we know you got some talent there and he can make it back one day, hopefully sooner than later. Yeah. And like, 
we used to skate together, obviously, at ETS up there in Whippy, and I remember, like, I was big for Steve Chan, too, with all those cups like that. And Yeah, he was a guy that, that when you saw him on the ice, you're like, you, you knew why why he had the career he did, for sure. Especially in the summer skates, where he was dancing around. <laughs> yeah, it seems like you guys always had such a great, well, I mean, Toronto area, pretty self-explanatory that you'd have a, a lot of really good players skating around there and whatnot. But uh, I guess last a kind of a personal thing do you got uh so, so you're married now that was what was it 20 21 you got married or was it this last summer so my actually my wedding's this summer coming up but uh yeah but i like to call her my wife yeah okay that's fair hey why not did have you have you like actually gotten married yet and you're just having like the ceremony or are you just are you just you call your wife anyway yeah, well, just, just, you know, it is Canadians and stuff coming down like that. So we did like a little ceremony and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, the big one, the big, big one's going to be this summer. Nice. In Ontario, or you got a destination planned or what's going on? Nice. That's, that's awesome. And uh, yeah, that's, that's sweet. Well, tell your brother. And I mean, I met her briefly, but tell your wife, I say hi to you. And it was great chatting with you and wish you all the best. And we'll, we'll stay in touch. You know, I'm sure I'll, bug you on instagram one of these days again <laughs> we'll, we'll stay in touch buddy it's good good seeing you again hey buddy